number of years ago, there was a video game that came out called called Punch Out. Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Do y'all remember that game? Uh, most, most of us, probably most of us guys who are in their you know early to mid 40s, remember that game. But it was a the very first guy that you'd fight on the video game was a guy named Glass. A Joe, a Glass Joe, and he was a guy who was 1 and 99, and you'd go out, and you had, the only thing you had to do was hit him in the face like three times, and he would crumple like a sack of potatoes, and the fight was over. And so it was a lot of fun. You always enjoyed fighting that guy first. But one thing that you know is that if you're going to be a good, a good boxer, you've got to be able to withstand some punishment. You know, you've got to have a, a good chin and all those things to be able to continue the fight. Now, you might be listening to that and thinking, well, that sounds good, but I'm not a boxer. So I don't have to worry about that. Well, that's true, except for in this world, we're involved in what the Bible says is spiritual warfare. And there's just a lot of junk that goes on in our world where where blows are being thrown at us. And the question is, are we going to be able to withstand the onslaught of, of evil and temptations and be able to come out on the other side victorious? Now, today we are concluding our series, uh, Classic Rock, which is what we've done is we've taken some songs from the 80s and we put a, a spiritual twist on them. Uh, I think, let's see, last week we did Journey, uh, Don't Stop Believing. The week before that we did U2. And uh, you, did you all notice, James, that they did not sing today? And uh, the reason why is because uh, I guess they just don't have you know, the ability to do Pat Benatar's Hit me with your best shot. I mean, I was thinking, come on, James. I mean, what kind of a guy are you? But uh, anyway, that's one of my that was that's the song we're gonna be looking at today, and that was one of my favorite uh, female singers from the '80s. Uh, there's a lot of groups I could tell you about that I'm not gonna tell you about that I enjoyed, but I like Pat Benatar and I like Joan Jett. That's like my two favorite chick singers. So I went with I went with Pat Benatar and Hit Me with Your Best Shot. And the whole idea of why we, we chose that song is just the idea of the world can hit us with its best shot, but we're going to have the opportunity to get back up because of the power of God behind us. Now, if y'all need a little refresher about Hit Me With Your Best Shot, I'd just like for us to play that chorus, Ron, if you could just sort of key that up for us. And this might just bring back some memories for you. Y'all try not to start dancing. So, uh, Ron, go ahead. Uh, isn't that great? Yeah, I mean that's uh, that was actually Michelle James singing that before the service, and uh, but yeah, that is such a you know that's such a it's a it's a great fun little song there. But the idea again is that as believers, that you, and you can hit us with our best shot. And she says, "Fire away!" And, and y'all, we have the opportunity still in this life to come out victorious. Now today in our passage of scripture, we're going to see a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he's writing a letter to a group of Christians in Rome. And he encourages them not to be timid about their faith, not to be ashamed of their faith, because they have the power of God behind them. And the message he gives them in Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, is a message that we still need to hear today, to understand that the power of God can give us victory in this life. And so if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to look with me in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. Uh, While you're looking there, just a little background information. Paul had written this letter to the Roman Christians. And he's basically, he tells them right from the very beginning, don't be ashamed of your faith. You know, don't be timid in your your relationship 
with God. And that doesn't sound that difficult for us because each Sunday when we come in here, hopefully I you know, try to encourage you and me to be bold in our, in our walk with God, not to be fearful about, about living for God. But this had a whole new dimension in this, in this text we're looking at because of who was being written to. It's a group of Christians living in Rome. And just as a reminder to you, uh, Rome was, you know, they were like the one superpower of the world at this time. And they did not like it when anybody was subservient to anything other than the Roman government. And this also included religion. Uh, y'all are familiar, I'm sure, with the stories with, uh, that they would take Christians and they would put them in the big arenas to fight against animals, to go against gladiators. And they, they were just doing whatever they could in order to slaughter the Christians. It was a a horrible form of entertainment that they had. And so when Paul tells them, this is going on, and Paul's saying, be bold in your faith. It takes on a new meaning. I mean, it's a little bit scary right here. So why why did Paul tell them that in the midst of persecution? Well, it's because he knew who his God was. And he knew that God could bring them through all the best shots of this world and enable his followers to live with victory. Now, my hope for you today is to see that, that you and I, we don't, we don't have to live life in fear. And we don't have to live in life in fear because of our faith. And here's a few reasons why. First reason why is because our faith has power. You and I don't need to live in fear in this life because our faith, in other words, our God has power. If you look with me in verse number 16, it'll tell you this. And I've got to go back to verse 16. There it is. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not fearful of its message. Fear has a great way of, of immobilizing people. Fear can cause us to stop dead in our tracks and not do anything at all. Uh, For some of us, when we think about our faith, it makes us a little bit nervous about even being some kind of a vocal Christian or being a Christian who's going to be, you know, really just to take take pride in his faith because the world in many ways looks down on it. It it makes us look like we're outdated, we're old-fashioned, like the message of Jesus is obsolete. Again, Paul was writing this letter to Roman Christians. Rome was the the pagan capital of the world. And so for them, it was you worshipped as many gods as you could. You didn't just worship one god. I mean, it's the more, the merrier. And so if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, well, we worship one god. And so if you just worship one god, then the people of Rome, they looked at you like you were weird. Like there's something strange with these people. But Paul gives them a reminder right here in our text that you don't need to be ashamed to worship just one God. You you don't need to be timid and fearful about that. Why is that? Well, Paul goes on to tell us it's because our God has power. You know, we just sang that song, Our God is Greater. You all like that song? I love that song. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Now, what that song is telling us, what Scripture is telling us, is that there's only one God. And the reason why we don't have to be fearful about just worshiping one God is because he is the only God that there is, and he is the only God with power. Now, today, that is not a politically correct statement. 
Yeah, you can't say that. If you say something like that, it looks like that you're being arrogant. It looks like you're being a person who's being insensitive. But if we're going to take seriously the Word of God, we have to understand what Scripture teaches. And it teaches us we don't have to be fearful because there's only one God. There's only one God that has power. How powerful is our God? The very beginning of the Bible starts off by letting us know how powerful He is. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, what? Y'all know that one? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is that impressive? That's pretty impressive. I mean, that right there, that one verse shows us the power of God. And the power of that God is the power of the God that we have today who stands behind our faith. Verse number 16 speaks of power. That word power is where we get the word dynamite. The message of Jesus carries with it the omnipotence of God. That is the power to transform your life and my life and bring about eternal life. Now, I believe most of us desire some kind of change in our lives. So I was at to ask you, is there anything in your life you'd like to change? You probably have a couple of little things that you'd like to bring up. And some people say, well, I'd like to have more money or I'd like to have more education. I'd like to have a different car or whatever it might be. And that's where advertisers come in. I mean, advertisers, that's how they make money. And they go out and they say, this is a need that you have, and we're going to try to sell it to you to satisfy that need. Now, not everything that is advertised actually produces. Y'all, and you all know that, right? Um, I still remember, uh, my, and this, is a, this, is, this amazes me, my grandmother, when I was a kid, I guess my grandmother, probably she grew up in the, I guess, the 30s, and then she had, you know, she always was looking for a new gimmick about how you can you know, exer- lose weight without exercising or have some machine do the exercising for you. And do you all remember those? Um, uh, I, 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 gosh, if, you, if you're on my, you've got to remember this. Those little things, it was like a, a weight, a scale, and you would stand on it and had a belt on it. Do you all remember that? And then you know, you like turn around and you turn it on. You remember what it do? Just sit there and shake you. My grandmother thought it's, it, that's how you lose weight. She's like, this is incredible. You don't even have to run. You just get on this thing and just shake you all around and you're going to drop weight. Now, what, have, did y'all know they've come back with a newer version of that? You put on this little belt, and it, like, tightens up your muscles? Y'all, I promise you, I can just tell you right now, that stuff will not give you six-pack abs. It might give you one, but it's not going to give you six. So not everything that's being advertised, it doesn't produce. Now, there's some things that are good, but there is nothing out there that can deal with the sinful heart of man. There's not a product out there that can deal with your natural rebellion to God. We are, we are by nature rebellious to God. Jeremiah 13.23 has something interesting to say about man's human nature. It says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? We're helpless on our own to change our nature. Only God has the ability and the power to bring transformation into your life, which is awesome when you think about it. He, we, we, can, we can know who he is. Therefore, in this life, we don't need to be fearful about following a God who's real. But if you decide you're going to follow anything else, I guess that's where there's trouble. 
I, I read a story or heard a story about a let's see, it was a pastor, a scientist, and a Boy Scout that were all on a plane. And you, this obviously is not true. So they're all on a plane together, and as they're flying along, the plane begins to lose power in its engines, and then it begins to go down. And the pilot runs back there. He says, "Only three parachutes for them. Three parachutes." He said, "I'm the pilot, and I got kids." And he grabs a parachute and he jumps out the door. Immediately, the scientist stands up, and he says, I'm the smartest man in the world. He said, the world needs me. And he grabs a parachute and jumps out. There's only two people left, the preacher and a young Boy Scout. Now, preacher looks at the young Boy Scout, and he says, you know what? I've lived a good life, lived a long time. He says, you take the last parachute. You have your whole life in front of you. Boy Scout just leaned back. He said, Pastor, relax. He said, smartest man in the world, grab my backpack. Now... Now, guys, I, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how successful you are. If you try to live in your own power, it's like you're jumping out of a plane without a parachute. If you are fearful, you ought to be fearful if you're trying to make it through this life without the power of God. But if you're plugged into Jesus and you've come to a point where you say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, he can transform your life. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. So, so why do we not have to be fearful in this life? Because our faith has power. But another reason that you don't have to be fearful in this life is because our faith brings salvation. It has power, but it also brings salvation. Again, in verse 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Now, Paul had just told the Roman Christians, says, you don't need to be fearful. You don't need to be timid about your walk with God. Because your faith has power. But then he says, but it also provides salvation. Now, I'm sure you've heard of the terminology that you know, that person is saved or to be saved. Have you all heard of that? You know, to be saved. Um, it, for those of you who already know what it means, just bear with me and I'll just a little rehash here. You might say, well, what do we need to be saved from? The Bible talks about we need to be saved. We need to be born again. We need to be saved from our sin. Now, what is sin? Sin is anything that's displeasing to God. And you might say, well, what's that? There's, there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different places you can look to find out. I'll just give you a couple of hints. Sin can be anything that, um, it's anything that goes against God's leadership. It can be anything that you, that you think, some thoughts that you have. It could be when you're driving home today, somebody cuts you off and you want to ram the back of their car for cutting you off. Okay, that's sinful. It could be murder. Okay, so all those things, those things are sin. Now, God hates sin so much that he won't have anything to do with it. He stays away from it because he's holy. Now, the problem we have is that we've all sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's bad news for us. Now, here's the good news. is God did something for us in order to alleviate or take care of the sin problem that we have. And in Romans 5, 8, it says, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. See, Jesus died as a sacrifice, as a payment for the sin that all of us have committed. But for that payment of his, of his sacrifice to be credited to our account, there's something we have to do. What do we have to do? We have to believe in Jesus. 
The end of verse 16 says, it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Y'all see that? It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That word believe carries with it the idea of trusting in or relying on. And I always find this interesting. Verse 16 does not tell us that, that salvation is the power of God for those who behave. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we, we really think that's where, the, that's where the meat and the power is. If I behave, then God will love me more. That's not what it says. It says the power of God for the salva- is for the salvation of everyone who believes. Now, what's wrong with me behaving? Well, nothing's wrong with you behaving. But if you're relying on your behavior to make you right with God, you're going to fall short. Because God demands perfection. And there's not many perfect people I know. As a matter of fact, there's not any. And so if we rely on our behavior then guys, we're going to be disappointed because we fail. The only way we can come into a right relationship with God is through the mercy of God as we trust Him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves is the gift of God, not by your works, lest any man should boast. There's only one avenue through which a person can come into a walk with God, and it's through Jesus. That's it. Jesus is it. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, what does that mean for us? It means we don't need to be fearful in this life because we know the solution to life. And who's the solution to life? Us. It's Jesus. Now, sometimes we try to water this down, and, and we try to say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what God you believe in. Just as long as you believe in a God, you'll be okay. That's not what Jesus said. He said, I'm the only way. And whenever we say things like that, we try to be more, you know, inclusive that way. And I understand that idea, because what we are doing is we are denying Scripture. And to do that is to give ourselves and others a false sense of security about where they are with God. A number of years ago, there was a train accident. A passenger train was hit by a freight train, and a number of people were killed. And a a guy named uh, Dr. Harry Ironside, he was a pastor, he commented on the story. He told what had happened. What had happened is a passenger train had stalled out on the tracks, and a freight train was coming. And it only had a few minutes to get the passenger train out of the way, and it wasn't going to happen. And so the conductor of the train told one of his men, it was getting dark. He said, I want you to grab the red flags, go out, and begin to wave them to get the other train to stop. And obviously this is before they had cell phones and all this. And so the man grabbed the flags. He ran out. He begins to wave them up the tracks. And the freight train begins to slow down, but it keeps going. And it slams into the train. There's an investigation. They begin to talk to the conductor of the other train. So why didn't you stop? So there's a man waving red flags at you. That means to stop. He said, the flags weren't red, they were yellow. Well, whenever they went to check out the flags, the flags used to be red, but they've been left out in the elements. And they kind of turned this dirty yellow. And so the guy, he couldn't tell really, really what color it was. He just said it just looked more yellow than red, so he kept going. And as I read that story, I thought, you know, that's, that's what happens to us, whenever we take out 
the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood sacrifice of Jesus, and we try to water it down to please everybody. And what happens? Well, there's no power behind the sacrifice of Jesus for our lives. And we try to make everybody feel like they're just all going to be okay. When in fact what's happening is there's a train wreck about to happen. Don't try to fool yourself into thinking anything different. There's only one way to be made right with God, and that's through Jesus. And we shouldn't be fearful of this life. We shouldn't be fearful of all the shots that this world is going to throw at us because of what Jesus can do for us. Because of the power that he has in his word. Now, the question is, that: what are you doing with that message of Jesus? Now, what are you doing with that? Because I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to pray. And pray and say, Lord, I, just, I pray that you'll open up the hearts of my friends to who Jesus is. Because Jesus changes people. I want you to pray that, that God will give you the opportunity to talk to your neighbors about what God's done in your life. To invite your friends into the, into the church so, that, so they can be pointed in the right direction to Jesus. See, in this life, we don't need to be fearful because we have a God of power. We don't need to be fearful in this life because we have a God who offers salvation. The last thing I want you to see is we don't need to be fearful in this life because we have a faith that imparts righteousness to us. Our faith makes us righteous. Now look with me in verse number 17. It says, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now something unbelievable happens to a person when they entrust their lives to God. And the Bible says that God gives us righteousness. I know that's like a church term. And so what does it mean, righteousness? What it means is God makes us right with him. Now, most of us spend our lives trying to make ourselves right with God. And we go through that whole, that whole little circular motion of saying, if I just do more good things than bad things, then God will be pleased. If I can live a really good life and follow all these rules and regulations, then it's, I'm going to be covered. I've tried to do that. You know what happens to me? I'll do really good for like a week. And then something happens. And I fall off the bandwagon. And, you know, and I'm all, I'm, then I'm like, oh, I'm all screwed up. I've got to start all over again. And I know that, I, that by my own personal actions, I think I have, I have disappointed and displeased God. But you know what's really neat about this? Our scripture tells us that it is God who gives us righteousness. You know what that means for you and me? It means we don't earn it. It means I am not and you're not responsible to make yourselves right with God. God is responsible to make you right with himself. And when you trust him with your life, he credits righteousness to your bank account. Not because you earned it but because he gives it, because you trust him. That takes a lot of pressure off of me. read a story about uh, Lawrence of Arabia. I, y'all, I, used to, I told you all that last week. I used to love those epic movies. And when I was in college, I stayed up for summer school one year because I had to. And uh, so I was staying up there, and I said, you know, I don't have any roommates. I'm going to watch all the classic movies. Man, I, watched, I mean, I watched every one of them. The Odd Couple uh, the Jack Lemon and uh, uh, what's his name? Walter Matthau. Great movie, by the way. So I watched that. I watched The Odd Couple. I watched Dr. Zhivago. That's a snoozer. That's a long movie. But then I watched uh, Lawrence of Arabia. 
And I thought that, that was a cool movie. And so I enjoyed it. But I read about Lawrence of Arabia. Thomas Lawrence, he was uh, pre-World War I. He was down in Saudi Arabia. had won over a lot of the tribes. They really liked him. He was down there, sort of like a warrior uh, down in Saudi Arabia. So a lot of the tribes, some of the tribal people were following him. And he set up a fort that was in the, right on the outskirts of the desert. And whenever marauding forces would come after him, he would run hide in this fort. And it was almost like an impregnable defense system. But it was such a great place because it had, it had a stream that ran through. It had plenty of water, and it had plenty of food. And so huge numbers could come against him. But when they got in that fort, they'd just sit there. I mean, they'd have to fight him off, of course. But they would sit in there protected, and they had enough food and water to help them last. And eventually the marauding army would run out of supplies and fall victim to the elements, and they would have to leave. You know, that, that is a very similar story that we have concerning our relationship with God. God has plenty of provisions in this life and in the next one for us to make a difference in our homes, in our workplaces, and in our schools. But for us to take advantage of the provisions of God, we've got to be in a sport. We've got to allow him to carry us into his presence. And as he does that, let me tell you something, when the world comes against you and me, he's going to take care of us. He's going to watch over us. He's going to ultimately provide us with victory. Paul told a bunch of Christians who, who were undergoing persecution, who were being thrown into the arenas to be eaten by animals, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Live boldly for Jesus. Why? Because he knew that his God had power. We don't have to be fearful. Our faith is power. Our faith brings salvation. And our faith imparts righteousness. What I'd like for us to do at this time is I'd just like for you to bow your head.